You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and you are listening to the premiere episode of season four of TWT. Man, it's it's surreal to think back at all the testimonies that have already been shared and how God has been using them across the world. And I'm back with a whole nother season filled with testimonies that will encourage you and inspire you. So let's get into it. In this episode, you're going to hear the testimony of a woman who is on fire for the Lord, and she goes into detail about all the trials and tribulations she experienced that led her to the point of finally surrendering everything over to Jesus Christ. Cultural differences, strained parental relationships, loss, and divorce are just a few things she's been able to overcome with the grace of God, and now she's focused on stepping into all the other amazing things that Christ has for her and her life. You may know her from her days of ring announcing for the WWE or PFL. Maybe you know her as an extremely talented singer and songwriter. But after hearing this testimony, you're going to know her as a woman after God's heart. It's about to get real, raw, and inspiring. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is Lillian Garcia's testimony. All right, guys, I'm super pumped because on today's show, we got former WWE ring announcer, PFL MMA cage announcer, and singer-songwriter, the very talented, the very lovely Lillian Garcia. Lillian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. When I saw you reach out to uh, my team and ask about you know me being on your podcast and I saw the premise of your podcast, I was stoked. I'm in. Well, I was super excited to hear back from your team. Um, this is a relatively new show. It's a smaller show. And I have a list of guests that uh, that that I like to reach out to. And I ha- have a section that's basically called like pipe dreams, where it's just like, okay, it'd be cool if they came on the show, but I don't know if I could ever get them. And so when you, uh, your representation emailed me back, I'm just like, Thank you, Jesus. This is amazing <laughs> because I got to be honest with you, Lillian, this is a dream come true for me because- the whole reason I started this podcast, one, I mean, God gave me the call, but two, your podcast inspired me to start up my podcast. Oh. When I heard, uh, I'll never forget, my wife and I were driving home from her parents one night, and I put on episode one of Making Their Way to the Ring, and it was Brie Bella, and oh, wow. I was sucked in right away. I just loved how in that episode and in all future episodes, Lillian, you were able to make each guest so comfortable so that they could open up and be real and be raw and be inspiring, like your tagline mm, says. Thank you. And I just felt like a fly on the wall in like a therapy session. Like I loved it. And that's that's what I wanted to emulate my podcast. I wanted my podcast to have that feel that like after you get done listening to an episode, it feels like you know that person mm. and you accomplished that in spades with your podcast, Lillian. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for inspiring me and and just thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, Terry, that, you just brought tears to my eyes. That's, that makes me so happy and I'm so humbled to, to hear that. And especially you saying making their way to the ring, that seems like a lifetime ago because that was my first podcast. And then, as you know, I eventually renamed it to Chasing Glory. 
And it, it's just, it's really cool to know what that podcast actually has, it has affected people. Um, so to know that it affected you to start your own show, I'm honored. Thank you. Yes, yes. This is this is just such a blessing. And Lillian, I'm excited to get into your story today. This is what we do. We get deep and 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 just raw and real and vulnerable with uh, people's testimonies on here. And so I always like to start at the beginning, Lillian. So let's start off with where did you grow up and what was family life like for you? Yeah, I grew up in Madrid, Spain. Actually, my dad was a lieutenant colonel. And so I got there. I, I think it was a little bit I think it was a little bit under one or, or around one years old. Um, and cause I, I was living in South Carolina before, as I was told, <laughs> cause I was a baby. So I don't remember that. Um, but I was born in the canal zone of Panama on the military base. And then when I was three months old, I moved to South Carolina, lived there till about one and then moved to Spain. Um, and I grew up there in Madrid. My dad was stationed at the U.S. Embassy. So I grew up there until I was eight and then moved back to South Carolina. Uh, so South Carolinas definitely have some roots there, but boy, what a difference between, you know, going to South Carolina, you know, from being a baby to coming back to South Carolina. I, I didn't know really, you know, South Carolina, but it was quite a culture shock from, from Madrid, Spain. Um, but my life I, in Spain was unbelievable. It was so amazing. I feel so blessed to have had a childhood like I did. Um, traveled a lot because we had to leave like every six months because of our visa. Um, we had to leave Spain and come right back. And mom was like, you know what? We're not just going to go to the border and come right back and turn around. Let's make a trip out of it. So when you live in, in Europe, you can go to Germany for the weekend. You can go to, you know, all these different countries that we did. We went to Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, you know, would go to Italy. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So, I mean, that was just in our backyard. You know, it's kind of the same as if you live here and you're just going to go to Tennessee for the weekend or, you know, California. But, um, you know, that's that's how close it, uh, all those other countries are. But that's what we did. So I grew up knowing all the different cultures, which was incredible. That's amazing. How do you think that impacted you as a kid being able to experience all that? Definitely that because it's not the same as if you're in the States and you're going to Tennessee or you're going to California, it's pretty relatively the same. Sure, you're going to have your accents that are a little different between North and South. Your food, your Southern food is going to be so, you know, amazing. And then you've got your pizza in Chicago or something like that, you know, that, that those, the staple foods. But when you're going to such different cultures as far as you know, Italy, let's say the language is different. The food is different. You, you're going to Germany, the language, the food is different. The culture is different. That for me was, um, so awesome because I really got a taste of, of the world, you know, let's say where it was so different in all these different cultures. And, but it, it made me have a openness about being able to receive people in my life that were different than me. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes in the States at that time, especially that's what was missing. And we can talk about what happened in my transition. Yeah, no, that that's amazing, Lillian. And do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. She's four years older. Yep. And it's just her. And she and I were super close growing up. I mean, I remember there was, we'd go to school together and I remember there was one time she was sick and my parents were for, I wanted to stay home with her and they were like, nope, sorry, she's going to be in bed all day. You need to still go to school. 
And I'll never forget like them trying to drag me out of her room. And I was just holding on to every, like as we're going down the, the wall of the, the hallway, I'm grabbing onto the corner of the door. No! I mean, it was just brutal. Like, I just remember like being traumatized that I was going to school without her. That's how close we were. But I remember that they let me go after school and pick something for her. So I got um, a stuffed animal so I could bring home to her. And, you know, she was sick and we were just two peas in a pod. So close. That's amazing. What was it like growing up uh, and going to school in Spain? I I would imagine it was like, uh, was it bilingual for you or was it just strictly uh, Spanish speaking for you? What was that like? So we got the choice. Um, Actually, my sister got the choice. I kind of followed, you know, four years later. Um, My mother had asked, do you want to go to the Spanish school? Do you want to go to the American school? The American school was part of the whole military uh, camp, you know, umbrella. So my sister chose, she wanted to go to the American school. So then I followed suit. And when I went to school, when I went to kindergarten, I didn't know one. I mean, I knew two words. I knew two words in English and that was hello, goodbye. That was it. Cause I, Spanish was always my first language. Um, so I remember being terrified and went to kindergarten and I had a little sign on my shirt that said, um, all I can say is hello and goodbye in English. And my teachers were telling my mother to start speaking English to me in, at home, which I was furious. I did not want to hear my mother speaking English, especially with an accent. It irritated me so bad. And I was just like, this is wrong. And yeah, there was, it just, it's change, right? You just kind of fight that change in the normal. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't normal for, for me to hear her speak English, even though she was fluent in English. Um, so, and then they wanted me to, you know, speak to all the kids in, in English. And I was having a really hard time with it. And I remember I found one other girl in the class that spoke Spanish. And so when we were at recess, she and I would go off in the corner and we'd be speaking Spanish the whole time. I was just like, oh, I need this. Um, and it's that sense of needing normalcy. You need normalcy. So as, a, as you know, human beings, um, so yeah, I mean it was a, it was a struggle, but it was really cool in the end because I got to learn a different language and learning at such a young age at five years old. That's why I don't have an accent speaking um, English. But when I switch to Spanish, yo puedo hablar todo en español y tampoco tengo acento. So that means when I switch to Spanish, I can speak in Spanish and not have an accent either. So that's been very beneficial. Uh, that was really cool. And we were able to have the hours that were normal for the U.S. So when we transitioned from Spain to South Carolina, it wasn't such a shock because we still ended our school uh, day like at 3 or 3.30, where the Spanish school system, because it's siesta, you know, you go home and then you come back. So you don't end your school day till about 5, 5.30. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. And then Lillian, as far as growing up in a military home, I think some people, when they hear that, they think that, oh, it must have been very strict and like orderly and you got to keep your things very like clean and tidy. Was it that way for you or what was that like? God, you would think that my dad would have been like, this is it. You know, being a lieutenant colonel, he was in the army for over 20 years. He was so opposite with my sister and I. It was crazy. My mother was the one that was just like, this is the way it's going to be. She she was the one that cracked the whip. And, um, you know, cleaning, let me tell you, it, oh, God, when you talk about cleaning, 
But I, I realized later why she did this. And we can get into the story as to the transition when I came, um, you know, to the U.S. But she would really in Spain, I don't rem- we actually had a maid in Spain. It was it was part of the the military package that my dad got. Um, but it was when we went to the when we came to the U.S., the Spain, that everything changed and cleaning became a huge part of my life. Um, but it was. Mm. there's benefits of it uh, because she would literally walk around with a white glove and would really make you clean. And the benefit of that, that I learned was to do things right the first time and pay attention to detail. Mm. So I did learn that the paying attention to detail, not cutting corners, um, doing things right, not having to go back and redo it. So that was beneficial. But what wasn't was the reason that she had my sister and I uh, clean so much was because when we transitioned, I don't know if you want me to go here already or not. Sure. Yeah. But go when, for it. when we transitioned from the U.S. to Spain, I mean, from Spain to the U.S., she had a really hard time with it. She wanted to stay and live in Spain. That's where her heart was. Uh, and I get it. I, I love Spain. I, I feel like my heart is there as well. But she didn't know how to be able to transition out of that, where my sister and I, we were able to, and my dad. Um she got into a full on depression, really, really bad. And, and her and my dad did not really have a good relationship. So I really feel that the reason she had my sister and I cleaning all the time. And I mean, we came home from school and it was like chores, but I'm talking lots of chores. In other words, you had no time for anything else, but chores and then your homework. And then that was it. So, and then Saturday was a full day of chores. So you didn't have, I I didn't have the let's go be with friends on Saturday kind of deal. And then Sunday was church. So I I realize now that that was her way to keep my sister and I in the house because she didn't want to be alone. Mm. So it was, it was not healthy um, in that respect that that's why we were doing so much um, housework is because of that, because that was her way to, to keep us there. And then the white glove treatment, all of that was literally, again, to keep us there. The The benefit of it, like I said, the silver lining of it, the, the way God turned it into something positive was that he turned that situation into me being able to be really good at paying attention to details, you know, like I was saying. So it really is that saying what somebody means for harm, God will turn it for good. Amen. And yeah. So there it is. Amen. I'm curious, Lillian, how did that impact your relationship with your mom? And like you're saying, she was actually the one who was more kind of the, the strict one and would lay down the law and obviously, you know, the, the cleaning stuff. How did that impact the way that you viewed your mom or you interacted with your mom? It was tough because, you know, I had the first eight years, I just remember just loving, like just pouring love. She would just pour and, and just give us so, so many adventures. Like I just remember even in the summertime, uh, the movies there ran pretty much everything. It, Madrid is kind of like New York city where everything's open all day, uh, all, you know, all night long, but also open are the theaters. And so you could go to the movies at 2 AM. And so it was really cool that mom would, would go to bed in the summer and then she'd wake us up. Um, and we'd go to a movie theater or something at two or three, whatever it was. And then, We'd get out of there and we'd go have hot chocolate and churros 
and then we'd come home and then we'd crash, you know, we'd go back to sleep. And then we, and like I said, it was in the summer, so we could do this. And that was fun. It was just, that was so great. So to experience that, to then having where all we were doing was chores and all we were, and she was in such a full depression. And then because my sister was four years older, um, she actually started, you know, leaving the house. She started dating. She, you know, I was eight, she was 12. But then by the time, you know, my, my grandmother lived with us too. Thank goodness. Um, my grandmother poured, I, I really feel like if it wasn't for grandma, I don't know where I'd be because she poured all this love where mom was not able to for those years because she was so depressed. My grandmother gave me that. Um, so, but with my sister, you know, she got to the point where she was out of the house or she was with friends and all. And then my mom's not having a relationship with my dad, my grandmother dies. So it just leaves me. And so I was the one that got kind of the lashing of everything of what she was going through. And so that was really, really, really tough to handle for so many years. Um, and then I revolted. I left the house about 19 years old. I said, that's it. I'm leaving. My sister was like, well, you're not leaving me behind. So we moved out together, which was really hard on my mom for both of us to live out together, uh, you know, move out together. But I just knew I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't be in that toxic relationship anymore. And, um, and I, you know, like rubbed heads with her for many years. And it was really tough because she had these glimpses of being like amazing and loving. And then all of a sudden this other glimpse of just so she was dealing with so much pain. She didn't know how to, how to handle it. And she didn't believe in therapy, you know? And so there was no avenue, but to just lash out at the worst. She was just so angry at her life. Uh, but thank goodness, you know, the beautiful story is we made up for, I mean, we still kept relationship throughout the years, but it was tumultuous. And, um, it wasn't until later on years later, after my dad passed, actually, that it's like, I got my mother back. I got the, the Spain mom back. And it was beautiful to see that, um, that I was able to repair that relationship with her and how loving she was with me. And it, it was just, it, it was incredible. I took care of her all the way to the end. Um, and she, all she ended up doing in the last three years was pouring love out to me. And I have to tell you, Terry, at first I was like, mm, what does she want? This is a little weird, but right. she had made the switch. I feel like God just showed up in a big way and was able to heal that relationship before she passed. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Wow. What a blessing. I'm glad that you guys yeah. were able to get that relationship back uh, towards the the end of her life there. What was it like, Lillian, kind of going back again, when, when you were told that, hey, we're leaving Spain and we're going to America. I mean, yeah. you were technically there before, but you had no recollection of it. Right. What was that like for you? Well, I was excited because, you know, I was an American and I never remembered living in America, right? So it was like, oh, okay, we're going to be an American and I'm going to go to America. And I'd seen so many pictures. And I remember I had a brochure forever in my room of the Statue of Liberty. And I was like, I can't wait to go to New York. And so when it was decided that we were going to move, we were originally going to move to Miami, but we wanted to visit my aunt who lived in New Jersey and she came and met us in New York City. So I was just so excited. My dad's like, we're going to land first in New York. We're going to stay there for a little while. We're going to 
go see the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, and I was just like, ah, so excited, you know, and Times Square and all these things that I'd heard about. And um, yeah, when we got to New York and I saw that the Statue of Liberty was green and in my brochure, it was white, not realizing that the reason why is because my brochure was in black and white. <laughs> I was mortified. I'm like, oh my goodness, why is she green? And then this is before Giuliani had kind of cleaned up Times Square. So I get to Times Square and it's dirty. And you got to understand it in Madrid, there was not one piece of paper on the floor. I mean, it was just spotless. It, it was so clean, wore dresses to school, like you just wore, you just always hit the streets nice, presentable. Um, so it was a shock to come to Times Square and all of a sudden it's not only dirty, I mean, dirty, dirty, but then they've got a lot of the, during that time, you had a lot of X-rated stores, you had a lot of prostitutes that were in the streets, you know, just the, a lot of homeless. So I'm looking around and I just remember this at eight years old impacted me in such a way that I was, I, I was shocked. And then by the time we got to Miami and we're staying in this motel as we're looking for permanent housing and Miami at that time, this was in the 70s, Miami at that time was really bad because the drugs had infiltrated um, and were getting brought in through Miami. And it was really, there was a lot of violence. And I just remember mom telling us, like, be really careful when you go outside and, and, and play. And we were only allowed to play in this one little section in the backyard. And she was always eyeing us. And I got this uneasy feeling. I was like, this is not what I experienced in Spain. And then sure enough, one night, I won't go into the detail, but let's just say it was really bad evening that made my mother go, no, we're not staying in Miami and we're moving. We're going back to South Carolina because that's what she knew. Um, and so that's when we ended up moving to South Carolina. But it was tough because, again, I was not it, I was used to different cultures and accepting people from different. The kids in South Carolina were not. I would say most of them. I don't know. I'm not, I can't speak for everyone. But when I got there and I wore dresses to school and even though I spoke English, um, they knew I, you know, I spoke Spanish. I came from Spain. Immediately I was branded an outsider. Um, immediately I'm different. And so I was immediately bullied. And that was tough because we didn't have cliques in Spain. I never had to deal with any of that. So to find out that there's cliques and there's the popular group. And then, and then of course I'm like, well, I want to be in the popular group. I didn't even know what that meant, but sure enough, I want to be in it. <laughs> and then trying to force myself in the popular group, which is the worst thing you can do. So yep. it was, it was rough because I was not safe at home with my mother um, and her, you know, depression and all. And I wasn't safe at school. So like I said, thank goodness for my grandmother. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's what I was going to ask is, like you said, people at school obviously weren't accepting of you. you. You've talked already in depth about how mom was not in a good place at home. If it wasn't for grandma, man, how, what do you think you would have done? Well, between my grandmother, my dad was, you know, working, so he, he was busy. Um, but between my grandmother pouring love on me, to, she passed when I was 14. So, I mean, I knew her. She lived with us in Spain, too. So she was like my second mom until I was 14 years old. I don't know what I would have done without her. I mean, I literally, there'd be times I'd crawl into bed with her at night and she'd just hold me. And, and I, I'm telling you, I feel like that was the protection that I needed for sure. Um, but music, 
You know, I started singing when I was five years old and music had always been a part of my life. And so I have to say if between grandmother and music and just singing and loving music so much and just diving into that, uh, but my security place was the closet. I got always ran into the closet and it became when, when she passed, it was very, very traumatic for me. Um, very traumatic. I mean, I remember, you know, there was an open casket and I remember when they said it was time, I, I had kind of kept myself composed. And when it was time to close the casket and I knew that that was the last time I was going to see her, gosh. And right now just the memory of it was, uh, tears in my eyes. Yeah. I, I just fell apart. I literally, uh, poured myself on her. They had to pry me away from her. And Man. yeah, it was just, I knew that the one person that loved me unconditionally, that was, you know, she was healthy to love me that way. She was gone. And that was the last time I was going to see her. But thank goodness she's been in my heart ever since then. And I even wrote, when I did my Spanish record, I wrote a song about her called Angel. So if you speak Spanish, you'll understand the words. It's all to my grandmother. Yeah. Uh, she was, she was something. So, <laughs> man, I'm so thankful that God placed your grandma in your life during yeah. those years so that you had that sense of safety and security and, and love really just, yeah. you know, that, that one source of love that you weren't really feeling from anywhere else. Yeah. You, you talked about five years old, you started singing. Does your family have like a, any history of music and being good at singing or are you kind of the anomaly in the family here? Lily? Well, it's my sister and I wish, cause she, she sings too. And what was wild is we really didn't even know this. I mean, I, you know, she and I kind of would sing around the house and stuff like that, but it wasn't until my father wanted to play guitar. He wanted to learn how to play Spanish guitar. He hired um, a guitar instructor. He came to the house and he would start playing these songs. And my sister and I would start singing along. And the instructor's like, wait a minute here. What are, what's going on? Because he loved it. And so he started playing song after song after song. And my sister and I singing. And he was just like looking at my dad going, oh my gosh, you've got something here with these two. And my poor dad never learned how to play the guitar because the instructor would come to the house and all he would do is play songs so that my sister and I could sing. That was it. And, um, but my dad would sing along too. And my dad had a really nice voice, never made anything of it, but really beautiful voice. My mother, on the other hand, is tone deaf. <laughs> she did not have a good voice, unfortunately. She always loved to sing, but she just didn't have it. Um, but yeah, so we got it from my dad, but that's where, how my sister and I ended up from there getting on stage, singing together. And we even were in a band later on in South Carolina, we were in a band together. So it's just always been in us. Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. You mentioned that was a big coping skill for you throughout uh, school and, and, and high school. So would you guys do like talent shows? Is yeah, that oh, yeah. girls were in the band? Yeah, we did. I remember we did, you know, remember the gong show? I Do you remember, remember the gong that. show? Okay, well, no. we they had the gong show, and so basically, it's kind of it's the same X Factor. Is it X Factor? Yeah, that's a talent competition, right? X Factor. Amer yeah. No, America's Got Talent. There America's is, Got yeah. Talent. Yeah, Americans Got Talent. You know how it's got the three X's? Yep. Uh, okay, that's basically you're getting gonged, right? But the gong show was the same thing, except for they had this huge gong, and if you got gonged, that was it. You had one time 
that the judge would get up and, you know, he'd hit the gong, you were out. So my, the, the local community decided to do their own little gong show. And so my sister and I, we entered and you get scored. There was three judges and you can get scored as high as 10. So it's kind of like dancing with the stars meets America's got talent. Right. Um, so we were performing and we did this whole little skit uh, where she and I were singing and it was uh, you and me against the world. And we're talking about it's you and me against the world. Sometimes it feels like you and me against the world. And in the, in the, there's an instrumental part in the middle where she hands me this box. It's a, it's a surprise. And I open the box and it's a teddy bear and I'm holding on to it. And, you know, she was, she's doing the big sister, little sister thing. We had everybody in the crowd just crying. Even the other parents, like the, the parents of the other contestants were just crying. <laughs> and of course, we got the perfect score of 30. We did not get gonged. We ended up winning. And it was just our harmonies and everything that we just, you know, there's nothing like, there's something about siblings when they harmonize, when they sing together and they harmonize. Wow, it is unbelievable. So yeah, so it was really cool. We, we did that. Uh, we were in plays and then we did the band together eventually. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. And guys, if, if you have not heard Lillian sing, uh, put this interview on pause, go find Lillian stuff on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, wherever. Lillian, you got like an Thank angelic you. voice, like just the Aww. pipes that you have, like it's, it, it's just, I, I love hearing it. And obviously being a WWE fan, you know, we were blessed to hear that for many years with the national anthems. And, um, I think I saw recently on Instagram that you're, you're kind of back in the studio working on some new music. Is that true? Yes. Yes. I'm so excited, Terry. I'm, I am too. I'm glowing. I'm literally, my, my friends look at me and they go, did you meet someone new? Cause you know, we'll talk about the fact I'm single, but yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's nothing to do with that. I'm still single. I was like, but I am glowing because these songs are pouring out of me. I've been missing singing. I've been missing recording. I've, I, it's been ages since I've done an album. Um, just cause my dad got sick, took care of him. My mother got sick, took care of her. You know, I had to deal years of, of dealing with her and dementia and all. Um, and then my marriage fell apart, um, dealing with that. Then having, you know, it took a year to, to heal from all of that, which is how I found my current church, um, which we can talk about. But it's during that time, the last thing you're wanting to do is really sing. You know, yeah. it's just... I, it wasn't in me now. It's like all the pain that I went through, all of those things that I've gone through, I'm pouring it into this album. And because I found Mariners, which, um, do you want me to, to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So I, at the end of 2021, this was, you know, my mother passed away in March of 21. My marriage fell apart, like November of 21. And then in December I was, I was broken. From the years, you know, prior my dad had fallen. I mean, it was just, it was a lot. I had three moves. I had health issues. It was just like one thing stacked against the other, you know, within that span. And it was just like, God, this is too much. And my friend that I had just recently met, it was wild. She definitely came into my life for, for a reason. And I just recently met her and she said to me, she goes, do you want to go to church with me? And I said, well, I was like, I've actually not been going to church because the, the church that I had found where I had recently moved, um, 
it was nice, but I wasn't really connecting. And, and so it's not, I don't want to, I mean, you know, you got to find what fits, but it wasn't fitting for me. I wasn't coming out of there and feeling like a sense of, I had the Holy spirit in me or anything, you know? And so it was, it was kind of more of a chore and I didn't like that. I was like, wow, the, the feeling that I'm having, that I'm feel like I have to go to church instead of looking forward to going to church. That's something's off. Right. So she said to me, she goes, you know, I think you should go to Mariners with me. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. She goes, it's a non-denominational church. Um, so, you know, all different religions and, and all, and, but it's not in your, it's not in your grandma's church, not the steeple, right? It's in a huge yep. arena. And I had never been into a mega church. It's called a mega church. I'd never been in one of those. And so when I walked in and the band starts playing and I'm look, I'm like, wait, am I at church or am I at a rock concert? <laughs> it was so cool. I had not been really, you know, exposed to pop rock worship music um, so I was in, I was in heaven and I literally was just like take, trying to absorb it all. The message was incredible. And I left there and I'm like, wow, can I come back next week? Like actually wanting to come back. Right. So I came back the second week and that's where I just felt like Jesus came like right through me. Like it was just that feeling of, I need you up on stage. That's, that's all I heard. Is, I need you up on stage. And so I, I mean, it's wild because when you're not privy to knowing that you can hear the Holy Spirit or the Jesus or anything, like I didn't know this. I always prayed, but I didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't know that you could hear things. And so all of a sudden I'm hearing something and I'm kind of like, I'd had a spiritual encounter like years before, but it was wild. I mean, this was wild. So I decided to go immediately and they have what's called next step outside where you can talk to somebody. And I said, look, I, I just... I just got here. My friend introduced me. I was like, but something's telling me to go up, you know, be on, on, on stage. Do you guys need singers? She's like, I'll make that happen. As far as an audition, I auditioned. They immediately, they were like, when can you start? <laughs> so I started singing with them and that was it. I was hooked. Um, and so every now and then, like about twice a month, I sing at Mariner's. It fills my soul in such a way. And I do all five services um, over the weekend. And I just devote my time and, you know, uh, volunteer my time. It's just been incredible. And that's where I decided to do a Christian album. But when I say Christian album, for me, it's still not your worship music. Um, I still have to be true to myself. I love pop rock music. Um, I, that's just who I am. It, it, it speaks to me. But I sprinkle in messages of God. I sprinkle in how it's affected me. I sprinkle in um, the transformation that it's done in my life. So it's not like Bible thumping. It's not, oh, glory, God. or whatever. I think there's perfect songs for that. Um, but in, in my calling, this is calling me to talk about my life, but sprinkle in how God has affected that and touched every aspect of it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about music, right? I mean, there's all sorts of worship. You can have like your very direct worship songs, like you were saying, where they are talking about the glory of God and everything. But then I think of the band Skillet, right? Like they yeah. do an awesome job of like kind of writing that line where they're, they're sold out for Christ, right? There's no doubt about that, but right. they're not 
explicitly saying that, but the messages are all encompassing that. Right. And so I'm I'm thrilled to be uh, just on the lookout for this album, Lillian. When, I don't know, how far along are you? Do you have any ETA for that? I don't have any TA. As far, I mean, my goal is to get it done this year. Now, if I could release it this year, that'd be awesome. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I don't want to force it. I don't want to rush it. I, there's no reason for it. But yeah. if I could get it at least recorded this year, and then maybe it gets released at the beginning of next year. I don't know. There's a lot of work still to be done. But this new producer that I found, and it was through Mariners, uh, the bass player connected me to this producer. So God's having a hand in all of this. And the fact that he and I, we already feel like we've known each other for many years. We're writing some songs that we are so excited about. And he turned to me the other day, and this was like the only, like the third time that we'd been together. He turned to me, he goes, you do realize that it takes usually months of building a relationship to be able to create what we're creating. And I said, I know. And I, I, I remember the very first day, this is the very first day we met, right? We're having a meeting. We're talking about what I'm looking for. And, and then um, we're wrapping up the meeting and he goes, so you want to just sit and write something now? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. We write this entire song. We're listening back to it. And I remember he's sitting in front of me. I'm standing over him and I'm just watching the monitor and I slap him in his back and I'm like, dude, this is amazing. And I'm like, I started laughing. I said, wow, I feel like I've known you forever. Here I am slapping you in the back, but that's how comfortable we felt. And, and so it's, and he's, he's right there with me. He understands what I'm trying to get at. He understands what I'm trying to accomplish with this. And he's understands my stories. He understands uh, how to help me express this. And I feel really blessed right now that I have him in my life. The fact that I even told him, I said, the fact that your name is Angel is wild to me because I wrote a song about my grandmother and it's called Angel, right? So I feel like my grandmother's kind of helping orchestrate this as well. And my parents, I mean, like I said, I ended such a beautiful relationship with my mother and I was pretty much had one with my dad. So I know that their hand is in this as well. I can feel both of them. I feel all of them like coming together and, and helping me with this. And, um, yeah, I just, I know I'm glowing because of that. Like it's, this is a labor of love. I'm being very vulnerable. I think the most vulnerable that I've been on any album, any other album, um, really talking about some heavy stuff, but I think that in the end it's going to help people. And that's my goal. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And now now I'm seeing what your friends are seeing as far as that glow, because as you were talking there, Lillian, yes, you're right. You were glowing. And man, it sounds like the Holy Spirit has been all over this album. And uh, yeah. yeah, you know, as far as timing, God's timing is always perfect, right? So right. obviously... The sooner the better for me, but I, I I want you, yeah, to just operate in God's timing, and I'm going to be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm definitely going to be staying tuned for that. Um, Lillian, I, I want to delve deeper into your whole journey of going to Mariners, but before yeah. we do that, let, let's kind of back it up some. So uh, high school, you know, we kind of talked about that. When you graduated high school, did you know what you wanted to do with your life? Did you have any inkling as far as, you know, did you want to chase music? Did you want to chase something else? Music what was, was it. Like? I mean, it's funny because I, I first got into where I thought I was going to be a surgeon. I wanted to go to medical wow. school. I know I was, I wanted to be a heart surgeon. Um, I started doing biology courses, all of these things. And then somebody was presenting, I think it was a Dean that was presenting the whole, what, what it looks like to graduate and go through being a doctor 
And I'm like, 12 years of schooling. And at the time, the thing was, is I had put so much pressure on myself to be perfect. I went through that whole perfect phase where I, I almost had, I mean, a meltdown when I got an A minus one time in one of my courses. That's how much I was so focused on being perfect. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, to put myself through 12 years of school where I, cause I was studying all the time, barely sleeping. I studied so much and I was like, I can't do this. I, I know I can't do this. And then thinking of working in a hospital, I was like, I don't really like hospitals, but I'd be working there every day. Right. So I decided, no, I, I want to be a singer, you know, and my, my mother was, she was great. My parents were really supportive and they just said, look, you can be whatever you want. Just please do me a favor and go to college. That's all just take four years, get, get your BA and then you go be whatever you want. So that's what I did. I went to, you know, when, when I went to college, um, I then met with this Dean, I went into what I thought I switched it to journalism. Because I thought journalism was more like radio, like I'd been doing radio. I thought it was more like that, broadcasting, you know. Nope, there's a lot of writing. And I don't really like to write. <laughs> I've gotten to where now I'm a much better writer and I've gotten to where I like writing. I like writing my captions. I like, I'll, I'll come up with quotes all the time. Like if you look at my Instagram, I will pretty much always try to write something that's inspirational underneath my captions that share a piece of my life and how maybe it can help you. But then I also, I love photography and this is where it's going. So on my photography um, that I've started exposing, I'll put a quote that I'll come up with and I just look at the picture and it just speaks to me and I'll put it down. And that's been a lot of fun, but that's also because I was able to meet with the Dean who said to me, he said, this is a Dean in media arts. And he said, look, it looks like you really like being in front of the camera where you'd like singing. And I had already been doing some commercials and I had already been a, a DJ and all. And he goes, why don't you learn the behind the scenes? You know, so why don't you get into media arts? We learned how to edit. We learned how to um, film, producing, directing, photography. Uh, and, and I was like, you know, this actually sounds really intriguing. As soon as I started, I was hooked. I was hooked. I mean, I would stay up all night long editing and not even realize I stayed up all night long and not care that I lost sleep. Like that's how excited I was to do it, which really helped me because when I did Chasing Glory, oh my gosh, I was doing everything pretty much on my own for the longest, longest time. And I know so what I, that's like. Yeah. Yeah. You edit your own show, you, you know, setting up the cameras and at the time, too. I mean, I had three cameras, you know, it wasn't like just zoom or whatever. And I, and most people were just doing video or audio podcasting and I was doing video podcasting. So, uh, but I learned all of that. I learned lighting and then photography and had, I have so much fun taking photos and that's what I'm saying. I, I now share it on my Instagram and that's been cool. How to incorporate both. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a blessing that I had a Dean like that, that set me down. And then I was able to you know, graduate, I graduated cum laude, I graduated, you know, honors. And it was just something that I love. And when you pick something that you absolutely love, you will do well at it. Amen. So yeah. Amen. So then Lillian, how do you go from that to ring announcing for the WWE? So I had graduated college. I decided to move to New York city because it was the closest thing that I could feel to Madrid. I was still longing for what I had as a child. Um, 
the city life. I'd love that. And so I moved to New York City, which is still way different than Spain, but <laughs> um, but I moved to New York. And then um, I end up finding an agent. That agent puts me on commercials and I was still singing. I was singing with a 14-piece orchestra. I had done um, a show for like two years at a Spanish restaurant where I was singing in Spanish. Um, I was... I, I always incorporated singing somewhere in, in my life there. And then, yeah, the agent was the one that said, hey, there's an audition for the, what they, yeah, at the time, WWF. I thought he meant the World Wildlife Fund, but no. <laughs> and I ended up going this audition, which the best advice that I took was him saying, look, you never know. Just go to the audition because you never know. And that's good because I was literally about to sign management. I mean, my goal was music, 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 music. And I went to the audition and I said this as I'm heading to the audition. I said, God, if it's meant to be, make it obvious. If it's not meant to be, make it obvious. I still use that prayer. I still feel like that prayer every time it doesn't fail. If I'm supposed to be, let's say, in the right relationship, if this is meant to be, make it obvious, not meant to be, make it obvious, right? So same thing with a relationship, same thing with a job you're supposed to take, same thing with whatever you're supposed to take. The key is whether you are listening to the red flags or not. Because he yep. will present the red flags to you. And I didn't necessarily pay attention to the red flags in certain relationships that I got into. Um, and I paid for them. I paid for it in, in the in the end, you know. But when I got with this audition, it was it ended up presenting to be obvious because when they called me and they said, we'd like to try you out for two to three months and you could quit at any time. That was pretty obvious. I was like, oh, I'm going to take a chance. And I walk in and they put me ring announcing the very first day on the job. So it was like, poop, you're in. <laughs> yeah. August 23rd, 1999, Roz War. That was your first yeah. night on the job. What was that like? Had, had you been a fan of wrestling at all before that, Lillian? Yes. Like, did you have any idea of what you were getting into? I've been a fan. Um, my dad my dad and I were like this watching wrestling uh, as I was a kid. It's one of the amazing memories that I that I have with my father because it was also the one thing that he and I had together without involving my sister, without involving my mother. It was something that it was just he and I. I remember he surprised me. He took me to the Township Auditorium in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. I got to see Andre the Giant, Ric Flair, um, Blackjack Mulligan, loved him. I got to see them live at the Township Auditorium, which recently, in all these years, I hadn't gone back. And my sister... Um, asked me to go with her. She was a former Miss South Carolina and they were having like their, I think it was their 80th year anniversary or something like that on Miss South Carolina pageant. And so she asked me to go with her. And so I went and it was in the township auditorium. And I remember I walked in and I looked to my right and I went, that's it. I know that that is where I sat. Like I can remember what that viewpoint was of looking at the ring at, at you know, being such a young age. Oh, so, that's so cool. It was just a really neat thing to have that. And then fast forward to, you know, telling my dad, guess what? I'm going to start working at WWE. He's like, what? <laughs> so that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years you spent there, Lillian. And, and man, you yeah. came in at probably the most popular period in wrestling history, the Attitude Era. I mean, your co-workers, Lillian, Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, uh, China, um, Undertaker, Kane, Chris Jericho, yep. names go on and on and on. Again, there's so much there because you were there for 15 years. But Lillian, what stands out to you about your time with WWE? 
What doesn't stand out? I think that's the question. I mean, what a blessing. And you know, Devon Dudley and I spoke about that one night when we were, we were, I was backstage visiting WWE recently and he was one of the producers and he goes, man, we didn't know what we were in at the time. We didn't know what a era that it was going to be, right? To be part of the attitude era. Um, and now you look back and was like, you know, between the Dudley boys and the, the, you said the list goes on. Shawn Michaels, you got the Kurt Angle. Yeah, the list goes on of the legends. The legend. These aren't just wrestlers that I worked with. These are all, all legends that I got to work with and got to be friends with more than anything, you know, and Batista. And, you know, I, I got to be really close with them. I'm getting ready to do go back to WrestleMania Um uh, here in April and I'm doing an autograph signing and I just, uh, they just gave me the, the advertisement for it. And sure enough, there's Kurt Angle and myself that this guy's going to bring in for this event and, and Sean Morley, you know, Val Venus, you know, Val like, Venus, yeah. wow, this is so cool. Like, that's why I love doing the autograph signings, not only just to be able to connect with the fans again, cause I love the fans, love, 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 but also to see my coworkers as, they're not just coworkers. It's it's one of those things you see them and you feel like you're you're seeing your brother or your sister. It it is a family that we create, and we went through so much. And especially when you travel together and you're you're dealing there's there's adversities, there's obstacles, there's a lot of things that happen. So when you get to experience that with someone, um, and you see them later years later, there's just a bond. I, I remember being at the airport when I was at PFL. I was at the airport and I. All of a sudden, AJ Styles comes up to me. He goes, what? And I was like, what? And then Ray Mysterio is right behind him. And we're like, oh, my God. And we're giving each other the biggest hugs and hanging out. They were on their way to Dubai. I was on my way back uh, from New York at an event with PFLs going home. And we just hung out for hours while we were waiting for the flight and, and you know, reminiscing. And, and it, again, it's like I was talking to my brothers. And that's was so special. I just recently, two nights ago, I went out, uh, one of the camera guys had said, Hey, I'm, I'm here in LA. Do you have to be around? And, uh, you want to get, you know, get some dinner. And I'm like, absolutely. And we hung out and we were talking about, you know, all the things that we'd been through and the, our times there. And it really, it's like being with family. It's incredible. It's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm like envious of you that you got to have that experience that you can call these people friends. But Lillian, I'm also curious, um, for the majority of your run with WWE, the women there, you know, weren't presented how they're being presented now, right? Mm -hmm. You know, back then it, it, there was more focus on them being eye candy and focus on, on the bodies. And I, I'm curious for you being around that, being in that environment, being that locker room, did that present any, uh, struggles for you with body image or insecurities for you, or did, was it actually empowering for you? What was that like? Well, what was great about me is I was in a position where they asked me early on when I first got hired, if I wanted to have a stylist, if I wanted someone to dress me, or if I wanted to pick my own clothing. And I quickly, I said, oh, I, I want to choose my own clothing. And they gave me that option, which was really nice. So I chose all my outfits, every single one of them. I think in the 15 years, I actually hired, I hired myself a stylist. Um, I believe she was with me for two to three months. And it was just because my schedule got so crazy. I didn't even have time to shop. And so, and this was 
this was like year 13 or something like that. Um, so it was way down the line. And it was fun to have her come up with different um, perspective, a different perspective, maybe of what I would have chosen for myself or something. But I always made sure that for me, I, I wanted to stay classy. I always feel like there's a way to be sexy, but classy, you know, and I think you just have to be true to yourself. And I love the fact that WWE allowed me to do that. They allowed me to be true to myself. And sometimes it was a little bit more conservative than during the Attitude Era, but they, they didn't have a problem with it, which was great. And what I love too, you know, when the girls had to do bikini contests or something like that, you wouldn't hear them complaining. You're just, that was just something, they signed up for it, right? And I feel like everyone needs to have the right to do what it is that they're feeling comfortable with. And, um, in that, you know, that's, I, I know that there was one storyline that I got asked to do with, um, uh, when I was working with Viscera yep. and they wanted to put me in a bikini contest and I was uncomfortable with it. And what they didn't know why I was uncomfortable with it. And it was because I actually had suffered from an eating disorder. I had been bulimic for some years and I had already been well, but, but uh, talk to anybody who's overcome anorexia, bulimia, you know, any kind of uh, body dysmorphia, it still stays, stays with you. It really does. Um, I mean, I stopped purging, but, but I still wanted to look a certain way, or I still felt a little bit like I was never perfect enough to expose myself, you know? So the thought of being in a bikini contest where people's eyes would be on me was mortifying, like mortifying. And I always respected, I was like, wow, how you girls can go out there and just, you know, I, I'm like, wow, <laughs> because I can't do it. I can't do it because of the way that I was feeling, right, about about my own insecurity. Um, and so, but I remember expressing to them how I was uncomfortable and they just rewrote the storyline. And it got where I would go out there on a towel and right before I was about to enter the bikini contest, Viscera's music hits and comes down and he sweeps me off. And now I'm gone for two weeks and nobody knows where I've disappeared. So that storyline was not supposed to be the original storyline. I was supposed to be in a bikini contest, like literally be in a bikini contest, but I was uncomfortable and they were like, okay, so let's rewrite this, you know? And that's what was so great is that you could have that freedom to, all right, well, let's do it this way, you know? And so that was so cool that they respected that um, and just rewrote the storyline. Yeah. And, and like you were saying earlier, uh, Lillian, when, when you struggle with an eating disorder, even when you like overcome it and you do get well, it does stick with you. Uh, a lot of my listeners know you, you probably don't because we're just meeting, but I suffered uh, with an eating disorder. I suffered mm. with anorexia when I was in middle school, high school, a little bit in college. And yeah, I'm where you're at, I'm at a place where I'm well, but like it is in the back of your mind at times. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering for you, Lillian, like when, when did you kind of experience bulimia and how were you eventually able to come to that point where you had control over it instead of it having control over you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm going to say, I'm so glad that you're speaking about what you went through because as a man, that's not heard of very much, but I right. know there's a lot of men that experience anorexia and bulimia and they, they feel worse because they really feel like they don't have anywhere to turn to, uh, because it's so much more spoken. Even uh, I actually volunteered at this place, um, with eating, just uh, eating disorder place. And it was all women. It was all women dealing with stuff. And if there was a man in there, I'm sure he would have felt a little uncomfortable. So 
Uh, kudos to you for speaking out because it's only when we speak out that people can feel more comfortable about dealing, you know, and talking about their issue. Amen. But I just remember it got to be really bad. Um, I never had a problem gaining weight. Like I, I, you know, early on, I just had a fast metabolism. Everything was great. I hit college. Whoa. And my metabolism, it was like towards the end of high school and college, my metabolism just went, just shot. And I started gaining all this weight and I didn't know what to do with it. Mentally, again, because I was the perfectionist, right? So mentally, it was a a real struggle. Um, Learned how to purge. Ended up thinking that it was okay. It wasn't spoken about how bad it was for you at the time. So I thought it was just, you know, okay. And my worst was uh, the day that my wake up day, I should say, um, was when I purged 15 times that day. And I mean, I literally went to McDonald's and I would pig out and then I'd go over to the 7-Eleven and I'd purge and then I'd buy everything there and I'd go and eat it in the car. And then I'd go to Burger King and I'd purge. I mean, it was just, and I was out of control. And what it was is that my life was out of control. So it was the one thing that I thought I had control over was being able to just eat whatever I want. I was feeding my emotions. And then I felt like the purge was kind of like, purging what I couldn't control. Right. But what ended up happening is that I lost control of that too. My whole life was out of control. And so when I purged and I, uh, 15 times that day, and when I purged blood and I looked at the blood in the toilet and I was like, Oh my, Oh, oh, I have a problem. And that was the wake up call. And I knew that I needed help. And I went and seeked a counselor And that's how the, you know, the process started of the healing. It took years. I'm not going to lie. It took years. It really is, as you probably know. And there were times that I did really well. And I tried to take the, the mentality of AA where you will, you know, they give you your chip at one year, two year, you know, you celebrate it. But I started seeing that before the one year mark, boom, I would sabotage myself. And it just kept happening. Okay, another, 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 I'd sabotage myself. So I stopped counting. So I can't even tell you to this day how many years, I mean, it's been years since I've been clean, but I can't tell you how long because I stopped counting on purpose. So for me, the AA mentality of the chip every year just didn't work. Um, But now it's just one of those things where I I don't even want to, I mean, I, the thought of it, it just, that makes me sick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I feel really happy that I'm able to be in that place. But I got to tell you, like just this past year alone, the healing that I've done through the church, I ended up diving into two courses. Um, when I mean, when I dove in, I dove in because I, I didn't just dive in into the worship and be a part of the worship team. But I also, you know, I found the I found the church in December. I in January. um you know, I had auditioned and I started seeing with them in February because they wanted me in January, but I'd already had my schedule full. But in January, I joined what's called Rooted. It's a 10 week program that they have with uh, other women that you get to actually um, incorporate a community with, which is really, really important. And they've supported me so much and everything that I've been through that I don't know where I'd be without them, seriously. And then another program called Remedy. And so Remedy is for anyone that wants to remedy anything in their life, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's pornography, whether it's, you know, they've been through sexual abuse and they want to remedy that codependency. Um, there's, it it seems like anything you're dealing with really uh, this program, 
it ended up to be eight months. It doesn't have to be eight months, but we really took our time through the program. And it was through 10 with 10 of the women that I experienced grew so much in those eight months. The, the girl that came out of that program is not the same one that entered. And that's why I feel like I'm glowing. I'm glowing from, and that's why I feel like my writing is so much better. That's why I feel like this album is going to be incredible is because I've grown so much as a human being. I took myself on, trust me, it's not easy. There were days that I did not want to go to the meeting. Like it was every Monday night. And I was like, I don't want to go. And I don't feel like I'm worthy or I don't want to talk about this or every excuse. But then it was like, you're going to go, you're going to go. And that's why it's important to do this with people because I'd reach out to them and we have a text thread, right? And I'd reach out to them and go, guys, I'm just not feeling it. And then they'd be like, no, you get, get over there. We're counting on you. We need you. You know, so we would help each other. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you guys soon. And then I'd get there and then I feel so much better for being there, yeah. you know, and to talk it through and crying. Oh my gosh, we shed so many tears, all of us, you know, but it's through that unpacking and the layers. And I dealt with so much trauma. I dealt with the trauma of my mother and I dealt with the, you know, other traumas that I hadn't, hadn't really, really focused in. And I was able to heal all of that. Um, and through the program that the church went and letting Christ into my life, like never before, And I was just, in a way, it was kind of, I felt scared to do it. I've always believed in God, but I kind of felt scared to do it and definitely scared to talk about it because I didn't want to be seen as a Bible thumper. I didn't want to be seen as somebody that felt like they were, you know, all holier than thou. No, because I'm still broken. Um, But I know that the growth that I've been able to do, the healing that I've been able to do, and now I'm helping others do the same thing. And through even this record, you know, what, what I'm able to do. Uh, now knowing what I know, this is the way to go. This is, yep. I have never, Terry, there's not one person I've ever encountered that said, I gave my, my life to Christ and I am so sorry I did that. I feel so much worse for it. Uh, My life just, you know, turned upside down because I, there's not one person that I'm kind And I have to say, before I forget to mention it. Molly Holly was the one, you know, Nora is her real name, but Molly Holly was her character in the WWE. I was, um, this is when I was married, uh, to Paul. Uh, so I've been married twice. I haven't gotten it right yet, but I know that that was a lot because of the trauma that I've been through. Um, I am not going to feel ashamed about it. It's me who made selections because of my trauma that I wasn't, I was not in, put it this, I think you really need to be healed and a whole person before you can make the absolute best selection for you. Now, there are many people that have made great selections that weren't whole and all of that, that they got it and and, and God bless them. That's great. But there was a lot of choices that we make based on our trauma that that are not going to, it's going to end up backfiring. And that's what ended up with me. I didn't choose well because of how unhealthy I was. I can look back and see that now. And so um, when I was married to Paul, God bless him. He was just an incredible man. He really is an incredible man. Um, but I was going through a lot of trauma and I was, I, I had married the wrong person because I unfortunately was not in a place where I, I actually clung on to him because I felt so unloved and he loved me so much that, and I needed that love is almost like my grandmother, right? I needed that protection that I 
just went ahead and went into that relationship because of that. But I unfortunately wasn't feeling the exact same way for him. And that was the, the, that was the turmoil that I had because for the many, many years I thought I couldn't receive love. I didn't know how to receive love. And so that was, there was something wrong with me. Um, but when I was trying to deal with so many therapists, oh my gosh, I dealt with so much therapy and Molly looked at me we were in Boston. I'll never forget. We were backstage at Boston. She said, you know, therapy's great and everything, but don't forget that God's actually there for you. And I looked at her and I said, I started thinking, I said, no, you know, I think that God's a little too busy for me mm. because I couldn't feel him. I couldn't hear him. I couldn't feel him. And so I just thought I just don't matter enough. And so he's dealing with bigger issues. And, uh, but she planted something in me when she said that. And she was also the one that had turned me to some of the pop rock music, not like the worship, not like, not like what I had encountered when I got into Mariners, but some other, and she said, I really think you'd be good for this genre. Okay. Um, whatever. She's laughing now. She's like, I knew you were going to do this, <laughs> but, uh, we were literally texting just last week. And uh, I was just, I was like, oh my God, I've been to the studio. You were right. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. And, um, but she was the one that planted that seed. And also when I got to interview Sting on my show, Chasing Glory, and he was so open about how he turned his life around when he turned it to Christ, how he was so in the negative in his life to then the, you know, how he feels so alive and his life turned around. I was like, oh, this is so cool. People are starting to talk about it really, you know, open and this is neat. And then I hear Undertaker uh, just on my feed on Instagram, how he was on this show and talking about how Michelle um, had turned him, you know, he says, I always believed in God, but never really let him into my heart like I'm now. And he starts getting emotional talking about how Michelle really turned his life. And, and then I text Michelle immediately. I went, oh, I can't believe like, wow, what, you know, impact you've made on Undertaker. I said, imagine the ripple effect that the undertaker can do uh to help others right because somebody that respects the undertaker so much to hear him talk about god and christ it's like wait this is cool then just last week i saw sean michaels you know talking about it also openly so it's beautiful that more and more the superstars are speaking about how god and christ is transforming them and and now i'm feeling less like taboo to talk about it or you know less freaky to talk about it in fact yeah. i just really want to tell everybody seriously this is the answer this is the way <laughs> amen amen and i was going through your instagram lillian and you went to uh, is it called harvest crusade i did yeah that was so yeah. i'd never been there before it was so cool yeah. and in your caption you had said something to the effect of what good is having all this if i don't share it with others and i think exactly. that's that's like the nature of the gospel right there it's like like you said Lillian once you experience the love of christ personally it's too good to keep to yourself you want everyone to have that you want everyone yeah. to at least know about it right at the end of the day we all get to make that choice but right. it, it's just so cool how you you've gotten to this point Lillian it sounds like growing up you've you've always had a faith throughout your life but it, it yeah. almost sounds like you felt like God was like this distant yeah. being who was just kind of like watching over you and you know wasn't paying much attention to you but then when you walked into Mariners and the Holy Spirit came upon you. It sounds like that's when Jesus Christ became personal to you. Yeah, I surrendered 
I, that was when I completely surrendered. And I just remember the feeling of like, when I felt that I went, Oh, I mean, it was just undeniable. And then I said, okay, just take me where you want me, put me where you want me. Like, what am I supposed to do? And then, yeah, I've, again, I'm not, I I don't ever like to force things on people. So you won't see me on Instagram going, you got to do this. You got to, but I will, I will share and say, this is what's helped me. Yeah. You know, so if you want help, this is, you know, this is a path that I took that's helped me. And I think that's, what's beautiful about Christ is he doesn't form and he doesn't force himself on you. God does not force himself on you. You have a choice. You have a choice to make, you know, he's like, I'm here whenever you're ready. I'm here, you know, but I'm not going to force myself. And that's, what's been such a beautiful thing is to just, I said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and tell people about this favorite show that I just watched on Netflix or a favorite restaurant that I went to, or, you know, this sporting that I did that was so cool or the way that I changed my body doing, you know, this diet or this fitness, you know, thing, whatever. Am I going to do that? And then not also say, by the way, you know, this, um, you know, going to church helped me with this, this program helped me with that, you know, getting in community has helped me with this, you know, whenever I'm down and low, I can actually reach out to those girls and they know what I'm feeling because they, we've been through it. We went through the trenches together. We get it. We know where our hearts are. We, we know each other's traumas, you know? And so getting that close to someone, if they know more about me than some of my best friends, you know, know about me. And so being able to say, guys, I am in a low place. Like this is what's happening to me. And then them being able to say, okay, you know, this is, this is how you're way back, or this is why you're feeling this, or, you know, Satan's trying to get to you or whatever. It it just helps you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's been the blessing out of all of this. Yeah. And, and like you said, like you didn't just like go, like you dived head first into all this, you know, you're going into those groups, worship team. I think what really impresses me is just the focus that you have on like community and accountability around you. I think that's so important, especially as kind of like a, a, almost like a new believer, right? You know, I was in the same situation where I grew up and always thinking, you know, I always believed in God, but always thought he was, you know, distant and just getting ready to, you know, punish me when I screwed up. But then once I I accepted Christ into my heart and I got people around me that like encouraged me with that and loved on me, it's just like, man, like this, this is what I've been missing my whole life. Just like you said. And so Lillian, what have you learned about yourself, you know, through the father, through your relationship with Christ, what are you learning about yourself? I'm learning that I'm not alone. That's the biggest thing. I am definitely not alone, even though I am single, even though, you know, I'm living alone for the very first time in my life because I always had roommates. You know, when I moved away from mom and dad, I either had a roommate and I lived with my sister. I lived with, you know, my husband. Um, there was just always somebody in my life. And so this is the first time that I'm living by myself. And so for, for a while there, I was just like, oh, wow, this is hard. And this, I, I don't, I wasn't doing well. Right. And I'm so grateful that I was in this program while this was happening. And I had this community of friends because I'm like, guys, I am lonely. And they're like, remember, sit with the Bible, start reading. I, I listen every morning. I, I just downloaded the Bible app. You know, if you're if you're busy uh, and I have a pretty, you know, go, go, go schedule as I'm doing, you know, about 10 projects at the same time. <laughs> but they're, they're projects that I love to do. So, um, but I, I'm not making an excuse for not spending time with God. 
So yeah. what I do is I downloaded the Bible app and I'll put, you know, Genesis or whatever and, and let it read it to me while I'm putting on my makeup, you know, or while I'm cooking. All right. There's always a way uh, that you can incorporate. And that in itself makes me not feel alone. And then there, I make sure to have dates, you know, I'll say, all right, girls, who can get together, you know, Tuesday night, who can get it? And so again, community, don't isolate yourself. Don't, I, it's not like I pack my day being with someone because that's going to the extreme, right? It's okay to be on your own, have time with God, have time with Jesus, learn to be okay. Even if you have to cry through it, learn to be okay by yourself. Um, but now more and more, I'm as the, it's been over a year now that I've, you know, been divorced now. And so I'm, wow, I'm a whole lot better. And now I'm like, oh, I got this, you know, but I don't ever want to get to the point where I want to be alone because I'm not, I, I like sharing my life with someone. I know that I am made to be in a companion, uh, you know, in, um, companionship with someone just like God, you know, created Eve to be with Adam. Like he wants us in unity with someone, but I'm not going to be desperate to get someone. I'm not going to also lower my bar. I have a really high bar as to the man that, you know, that I'm, I'm going to finally get it right, Terry. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to finally get it right. Why though? Because Amen. I've healed. I've healed. I worked on myself. I got rid of my baggage. So when I go into this new relationship now, I'm going to choose so much better because my worth is up, right? I feel like before I was just not, I wasn't making good choices. I was seeing the red flags, but just not paying attention to them because my worth was low. Now my worth is high. My worth is high, which means my bar is high. And I keep praying to God, like during this time while I'm waiting, there's a few things that I know why I'm single. I'm single because I'm supposed to be okay to be alone. Be okay to be alone first. Then you can bring somebody into your life because it's not going to, that person that, that, that you, you're not going to be with them just because I'm going to be with you and I'm going to hold on to you because I don't want to be alone. No, you're okay alone, but you're going to be with them because you actually like their company and you want to grow in Christ together, right? So it's, you're not going to make choices out of desperation. And so that's why I've been alone for, for the song. So I could actually be okay to do that. My album, um, the, things that are coming out and certain songs that are coming out, I can only write them right now in the feeling of being by myself. And the other, just a few days ago, when we finished this one song, um, right now we'll see, we'll see if the title changes, but for right now it's called someone to call my own. And when we finished the song, I went, I know why I'm still single because that song would not have come out of me if I would have been dating somebody right now. Because that's what I want is someone to really call my own. And so all the lyrics are all about that. And But I said, this is going to be a song for anybody who's single. This is a song for the single people, right? So I'll be able to write a song. I, I am. I'm able to write a song as a single person right now. I'll be able to write a song as someone that's in a relationship, you know. So it, it's it's been a a journey that I'm just trusting God in every single facet of it and knowing you've got me here for a reason. You've got me here for a reason, but to know that God is also preparing the man that's going to come into my life next. I don't want him to come too soon where he's hasn't, where he hasn't dealt with his past dramas, where he, his bar is not high, right? Where his worth isn't high. 
Um, I want him to be as healthy as possible when we meet so that when the two of us meet, we can truly form an incredible relationship because we are both healthy and we both know that we have to do, it's a triangle. It's, we have to be not just us, but God has got to be in the mix of this relationship. It's the only way for me that I know it's going to work. And so it's, it's kind of exciting how this is going to happen. I'm like, am I going to meet him at a club at a restaurant? Am I going to, is somebody going to put us together? I don't know. I have no idea what's coming into my life, but it's actually exciting to know something's coming because I know I'm not going to be single for the rest of my life, but, um, but who knows how long. Right. And I just, I'll keep waiting until it's time until the right time. Preach it, Lillian. Preach it. That's that's a message right there. Like legit, like that's a message so many women need to hear, but also men as well. I mean, on the flip side, like like you said, like be okay with being by yourself so that you're mm-hmm. not relying on that other person to meet needs that only right. God can meet for you. And right. and as you were talking, and as you were talking, Lillian. It is so obvious you're in love with Jesus Christ. Like, I I just want you to know that. Like, it is so obvious. And one thing that came to my mind is that when you talked about having high bar and and high standards for a man, as you should, I, I, I get the picture that your heart is so in alignment and close with Jesus that whatever man becomes your husband has to go through the heart of the father first before he gets to yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I need that. I really do need that. Um, I think it's important. I want to be able to share. I want to like, I want to have conversations like this that you and I are having with someone that's very special to me. I don't want to feel like if some, if that person is not a believer and doesn't understand, and then I'm, I'm just glowing and I have to, oh my gosh, I wrote the song and the Holy Spirit, like talk to me. And, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's awkward. It's kind of weird. And I also don't want to have to be like trying to talk somebody into loving Christ or God. You know, I, I don't, I just don't want that. I really want someone to come into my life that understands that already, that gets it, that lives it, that breathes it. Um, and that we can actually create this relationship. And, but I'm going to say anybody who's single out there, not only be okay with being, be alone by being alone, but Work on yourself during this time. Take this time to truly, truly dive in deep into some of those past traumas, past whatever it is, the past choices, why you've made the choices that you've made in your life. Really study it. Work with the community. Get into church. I mean, look, just find a good church. People make excuses all the time. They're like, I can't, um, I, I can't afford a therapist. Do you know how much it cost me to do remedy? For eight months, every Monday night, it cost me $8. And that was to buy the book. That was it. Like, that's incredible. Eight months. And we had a facilitator. She was a volunteer. And she would show up every Monday night. And we did these workbooks. And it was incredible. And that's through the church. So find a church that's got these types of programs. You would be amazed. They've got grief counseling. They've got, you know, whether you're in drugs and alcohol, pornography, codependency, you name it, they've got a program for it and you get immediately attached to this community that's also experienced it. So you don't feel alone in that. And that's the beautiful gift that I've been given during this time, even though sometimes I was kicking and screaming, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. There's times I'm like, why? (laughs) Why can't I just like, you know, Valentine's is coming up. I don't want to be single. 
You know, it's not the best. Like I remember last Valentine's going, next Valentine's, things are gonna look way different. Well, guess what? They're not, <laughs> in a way. The difference is, is that I'm okay and, and I have my Valentine is Jesus Christ, you know? Yes, um, amen. And I actually got this um, this this um, ring. It's not on my wedding hand. It's on the other one. But it's two crosses together. You can see that, right? Oh, cool. Yep. Isn't that cool? Very cool. And I said, you know what? I am and this. I'm married to to Jesus on that. Like I. That's why I say it's very very special to me. And so I'm not alone. But I I just keep telling him, work through me, work through me. Let's let's do it. Let's get the best Lil he can get. And then I can be in a relationship and actually have a lot of fun. And my partner and I don't have to be wasting time trying to handle dealing with cleaning up our baggage. Instead, we can go out and mission and be there helping others and going on these mission trips. I want to do some mission trips for sure. And, and yeah, just, just love on people and nurture and help. And we don't have to be bogged down with what we've been through because now we can use that to to be like, you know, I went through that. Yep. But guess what I learned out of it? I went through this, but now I have, I have so much empathy. You know, I, I was bullied so badly by these girls that I have so much empathy for people that have been bullied. I wouldn't have experienced that if I didn't go through it myself. I wouldn't know what that feels like, but that's when something happens to you traumatic, just know God's going to use that for good. He will in the end, even though if it might not make sense in the, in the time, my divorce did not make sense to me at the time. And now it's making all the sense of the world. <laughs> so I wish him well. I wish him the best. I am not a person that, that is bitter. I am not a person that wishes mal malice on anyone. I don't care whose fault it is, whatever. I give him many blessings, you know, and, and really, really hope that that he will allow Christ into his heart and, or, you know, maybe he has, I don't know, but that's, uh, that's on him. Right. And that's all I can yep. do. And now it's like, okay, let's move on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for the good of those that love Jesus Christ. Right. I mean, that, that's yeah. it right there. And Lillian, I have no doubt that God is going to bring that right man into your life that, you know, like you said, you're, you're going to get it right. Um, yeah. because you got Jesus in it now. Right. And I, I know right now that he's preparing a man for you as he's preparing you for him. And, uh, man, I'm excited for that day to come, but I'm excited for, for just the journey that you're on now. Like I said, it's yeah. just so obvious that your heart is for Christ and Lillian, you've been so gracious with your time. One more question for you. As you look back at all that God has done for you over the last year, year and a half now, when you reflect on his goodness, what comes mm -hmm. to mind? How healing he really is. If you let him in, if you let him in, that's the key. You got to let him in. You got to surrender. You got to be like, you know what? I've tried to control my life all these years and I haven't gotten it right. How about I just put the sword away, put my, I know it all away, like put all of that and just say, I'm here, do what it is you want with me. Um, and just show me the way, literally just show me the way. And as soon as I did that, the healing that has been placed in my heart, uh, is incredible. Cause you know, there's a lot of things that I will eventually talk about in my life that I've been through that people don't know a lot of the traumas that I've been through that were pretty heavy. And 
I was able to heal all of that. And, and that's, I think more than anything, if you just, just know, we all go through stuff. We all need to understand that we all go through stuff. When you look at Instagram, be careful because you're just seeing people's highlights. You're not seeing what they've been through. You're not seeing what they're currently going through. You're not seeing it. No one's going to start posting a bunch of negative stuff and crying and they're just not going to. And so you got to be careful in feeling alone and, and that, and, um, yeah, just let them in and let them heal you. It's a beautiful thing. And just being okay and just really realizing you can be happy. You can be happy and you don't have to self-sabotage and it is possible. And, you know, yes, we're going to go through stuff, but I, I read this a long time ago and I, it is my motto, you know, 90%, sorry, 10% is what happens to us. 90% is how we react. Yep. And that's in every situation that I now encounter. I go, if, if it's something traumatic, I go, God, I know you're in the mix of this. And I know all I'm going to do is my reaction is not going to be over the top. It's not going to be any of that. My reaction right now is going to be just trusting that you've got your hand in this and keep my composure. Just keep yeah. my composure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lillian, I, I have absolutely loved this conversation. This has been such you, a, <laughs> a, well, awesome. This has been such a joy and, and blessing for me. And uh, I, I'm just so thankful for God for this. Like you said, you have a ton of projects going on, Lillian. How can people keep up with you? Where where can yeah. they follow you? Uh, my number one place is, is Instagram. It's at Lillian Garcia with one L in the middle. And it's I uh, just a friend of mine actually was asking me to do this. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I just launched my subscription channel. So you can go on there and subscribe. And so for people that don't understand what that is, you just pay a very low fee, um, monthly fee. I mean, it's like nothing. It's like, I don't know. I think it's like $4.99. It's so, it's so cheap for the whole month. And I create extra content just for your eyes only. And that's where I'm actually able to give some wisdom that I, I call it beach wisdom. So I'm at the beach and I give these different thoughts, that are different things that I've learned along the way. And hopefully those nuggets, you can actually, you know, apply them to your life and it makes you somehow better in your life, helps you out. Um, I do these behind the scenes uh, where I talk about, for example, uh, the first one that I launched was the Rock and I did this famous interview, backstage interview on SmackDown. And so I break it down and I talk about the different facets of the interview, how it came about. Uh, so it's a whole behind the scenes. And I'll be doing that more and more with all the different story angles that I was involved with at WWE. I think it's fun for people to hear the behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I, photo shoots, um, whether it's, you know, maybe I'll release the photo itself on the main page of Instagram. But if you go to the subscription channel, you can get the behind the scenes footage. It's fun. And it's a place where I, I do a social chat. Like the other day, I was like, to to my network. I was like, hey guys, how's your day? And then boom, everybody starts coming on. I have people from Malaysia, Taiwan, Canada, the UK, uh, South Africa. We were all around the world and we were just texting back and forth to each other. And that's been really cool, you know, having that connection. Um, so it's really, it's really neat. I'm actually having a lot of fun with it already. So I invite people to join me on the subscription channel. LillianGarcia.com has, you know, the main website page of stuff. And yeah, I'm in the transition because I just left PFL and, you know, I had 19 years solid of ring announcing. It's been 23 total with, you know, doing some independence in between and all that. But, but it was a chapter that now I'm, I'm moving on. Um, 
I never say never about announcing. I, I don't ever do that, but it is time for me to transition into something new. I know that I'm working on the album, right? I know that there's a, a couple of the projects that I can't talk about that I'm working on, but, um, but I'm in the transition phase and I'm really having to rely on God to lead the way. I'm, I'm going into the, I'm not going to panic because I've had security for many years. I'm not going to panic. Um, because he's going to reveal it and it's going to be better than I even thought it was going to be because I'm taking a chance. I'm taking a leap of faith as to I've got to grow and I've got to leave my security blanket. Announcing was my security blanket. I've got to leave that to be able to get into the next phase. So um, we'll see. You guys can follow that journey. And then on Facebook, it's Lillian Garcia official fan page on Facebook. But that's mainly on my my channels. Twitter, I'm on. It's at Lillian Garcia. I'm, I'm on here and there. But um, but yeah, I know it's a mouthful, but there's a lot of stuff that I've, that I'm working on. So yeah. Yeah. And I'll post all the links so people can easily find awesome. that and follow you. Lillian, I I, I want to leave you with this earlier this week. I was uh, driving home and I was listening to your song. I'm over being under in love. And I just oh, really wow. felt, I, I really felt the father speak to me and said, you know what, Terry, Lillian is never going to feel that way again. Cause now she's oh. over in love. Like she is filled with my love, uh, now and forever. And and now she realizes it. And I just wanted to encourage you with that, that you're, wow. you're, you're never going to be lacking love now, Lillian, now that you got Christ in your life. And I mean, as you're finding yeah. out, just living the single life now. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you with that. And thank again, you. thank you so much for taking the time to come on this show. I uh, hope we can stay in touch and, uh, God bless everything that you're doing. Yeah, God bless you and and what you're doing because doing these shows is not easy. I mean, I know firsthand. So, and I put Chasing Glory on hold. We'll see what happens. You know, when my mom passed, I put that on hold. Uh, I had to listen to my heart though. And God was like, right now you need to mourn. And that's what I did. And then when my marriage fell apart, I was like, I, I can't even handle it. And I want people to know that, that they can actually just let go of, of certain things. Um, and who knows if it'll come back. I don't know. I'm not trying to force it. We'll see. But you know, it's great what you're doing with your show. It's great how you're impacting people. And I appreciate that. And I got to go back and listen to my song. I forgot the words of it. So now, <laughs> thank you, Terry. Thank you. Wow. Guys, like I said, this was such an honor to be able to talk to Lillian. I, I found myself almost having to pinch myself to see if this was real or not. Because, I mean, I started watching wrestling just a few weeks after she debuted in the WWE. So her voice and her presence has pretty much always been a part of my life. And to get the chance to personally thank her for the impact she's had on me and developing this podcast, man, guys, God is just so good. I am just so pumped to see what else God has in store for Lillian. And I cannot wait until her album drops. I'll attach all the links to her social media in the show notes, so make sure to follow her and stay up to date on what she's doing. She's a great follow, and she's always so encouraging with her posts. And do yourself a favor, go back and listen to the Chasing Glory podcasts. She did such an amazing job on each episode, and like I said, I emulated my show's format after hers. So if you guys enjoy TWT, you'll definitely enjoy her podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode with Lillian, I'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That really helps other people find this episode and be blessed by listening to Lillian's story. 
So please also make sure you share this on social media so that we can get as many ears on what God has done in Lillian's life as possible. You guys can follow me on all social media at TWTerryPod, the Testimonies with Terry Facebook page, and TestimoniesWithTerry.com. That's it for this episode, but I'll be back next week with another. So in the meantime, make sure you're living life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.